Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed. Uh, I'm one of the advisors at McNamara Financial. We have Mike McNamara also joining us. This is sort of a follow-up to uh, to a show that, that you did a couple of weeks ago uh, a, a timely show, uh, perhaps, uh, pertaining to uh, bear market uh, survival tips. Uh, did I hit that okay? Yep. All right. So I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe you want to give a, a, a recap of what you did the last time uh, or if you just want to dive into this one. I think I want to do a quick recap and then kind of go from there. We got... Uh, too much material anyway, but I want to make sure if anybody missed the first part, we can do kind of like the grand summary. Yeah, maybe make them, make them feel bad for missing it, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, not too bad. They might have had something else to do besides listen to our show, you yeah, know? Yeah, I suppose. Or something like that. <laughs> uh, first of all, so by the way, take a take a guess at how much the, the S&P 500 is actually down year to date before we get into this. Uh, it's like maybe 9 or 10%. 9.7. Very Boom. good. Okay. So, so folks, uh, in, in our world, uh, we, we have to have numbers. And so uh, anytime the market goes down less than 10% is officially known as a correction. Uh, anytime it goes down more than 20%, it's officially known as a bear market. 
And if it goes down more, a lot more than that, well, we have all kinds of exciting terms to describe that. But those are the two mathematical terms we'll use for this show here, okay? Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and then a, 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 a little bit more background about bear markets. Again, down more than 20%. There have been 15 bear markets since World War II. They averaged a 30% temporary decline. I'm saying the word temporary because they came back up again. Uh, and they lasted for an average of 13 months. Okay. okay. But I think World War II got over in like 1948, so 52, 72 years, okay, divided by 15 beer markets. We're talking about one every five years on average over the long run. So I just wanted to kind of put that all in perspective for folks. Uh, we have a, a scary situation going on over in Europe with uh, Ukraine and Russia, as everybody knows, uh, but and the markets have been up and down and crazy. And you know, if you read headlines, uh, and you shouldn't read too many, by the way, when it comes to managing your money. But if you if you are reading the headlines, there's some pretty scary stuff going on out there in the, the world right now. And I, I'm not diminishing any of that. I'm just saying that thus far, our stock market as a reaction to this is down 9.7% year to date. Uh, and that's just a fact in terms of where I'm coming from. Uh, I, I want to spend the, the bulk of this show um, kind of letting people know some things might be that you should be doing and that you shouldn't be doing uh, when it comes to your money and up and down markets. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, I'm going to do a short summary uh, of the last week's show, or a couple weeks ago. It might take 15 or 20 minutes, maybe longer. Uh, and then there's a bunch of stuff we have to cover that we didn't get to the last time around. So we'll kind of see how this goes. Uh, so um, the, the other thing that people have to know uh, is that yet nobody knows when a bear market begins. Nobody knows when a bear market is over. Uh, and because it's an unknown kind of a thing, that, that, that makes it pretty scary, okay? Uh, all right, so last show, okay, I kind of did it in a mistake, problem, solution, nugget format. I thought that was pretty creative on my part, Kirk. I like, yeah, I liked your term, the term there, nugget. Yeah, and I've got some really good ones up for yeah. this show. But anyway, so very quickly, and I'm going to kind of glass over these because I want to spend some more time uh, on the new ones. But Kirk, interrupt me anytime if you'd like, please. Okay, so uh, mistake, paying too much attention to your investments, problem, short-term investments, and events, I'm sorry, are random and unpredictable. Solution, don't. Don't take a, a look at your investments too often. If you're a long-term investor, you have to ask yourself why you're doing that, okay? Uh, and the nugget is odds are higher for long-term investors. Short-term market events are random and unpredictable. You can quote me on that, folks. Over the long-term markets have gone up. The odds favor long-term investors. All right. Mistake number two, paying too much attention to the media, except for our radio show. And the, the media 
always emphasizes bad news. And even in good stock market times, we see all kinds of scary articles and commentary and blogs these days on why the world's going to come to an end and markets are going down. And so the solution is don't don't pay any or too much attention to the media. And if you if you just can't not do that, don't do anything about your money. That's assuming you've already prepared for up and down markets. We'll get to that as well. Yeah, I was just going to say. Basically, there are, there are there are two headlines uh, in, in you know in the world when it comes to to the, you know the financial world. It's it's either how you know how much further is it going to go down you know when we're in a bad time or when we're in a good time. It's when is it going to crash? You know, it, right. it, there's no there's no, there's never talk about you know the good stuff. It's it's always how bad and and when is it going to get bad? Uh, and, that, and that's it. Yeah. Well, as human beings, we're not wired to be good, successful, long-term investors. We have to work at it, okay? Uh, anyway, th- thank you for that. So, uh, and by the way, when it comes to the media, you know, I- I ask yourself a-, a-, a few questions like, well, who are these people that are writing or talking? What are their qualifications? What's their agenda? Who do they work for? Okay, uh, and... What do they really know about you and your circumstances? Are they going to be your financial advisors? And I know that sounds kind of silly, but please think about that. Who are those folks? What are their qualifications? What is their agenda? Uh, is, it a, is it a journalism major from some college writing in the business, uh, on a business uh, publication? Well, how does that work sort of thing? Anyway, moving along. Next mistake, talking with Rich Uncle Harry. <laughs> Okay, uh, or, or any of your friends that are always telling you how smart they are when it comes to investments and money. Uh, the, the, the problem with that is maybe Uncle Harry's not as rich as you think he is and or as smart as you think he is. And I'm, I'm going to bet you that Uncle Harry never told you when he got his clock cleaned when it comes to an investment strategy or not. Prob- uh, probably not. Pro- probably not. Okay. Uh, and by the way, uh, Uncle Harry isn't you. He isn't your financial professional, and he probably doesn't know a whole heck of a lot about your personal situation. So advice from friends and relatives. Well, hey, same questions. Who are these people? What are their qualifications? And, you know, and, and yeah, and one other thing on that one is, you know, maybe... You know, maybe, maybe, maybe he is rich. You know, rich Uncle Harry, and you know, maybe he can afford to to take some, you know, some bets with his money and and do some 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 things. Um, that that doesn't work for most people. Um, uh, nope. Um, so it's yeah, just it, you know, it. Somebody might be willing to to risk some money on on a on a on a pretty risky investment or a speculative investment because. You know, maybe they truly can't afford to, to lose it, or uh, or or not. You know, have it come back for a long period of time, and um, that's that doesn't apply to, to most folks out there. Yep. So, by the way, so so the solution to that is don't listen to him, or be nice, listen to him, then please ignore his advice. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and the nugget, okay, is uh, either you have the time, the energy, expertise and inclination to be your own financial advisor or hire a good one, not Uncle Harry. Okay? All right. One, two, three. Number four. Mistake number four. Not knowing the difference between trading stocks equals gambling and betting and investing in companies for the long term. 
equals investing. Uh, the problem is the stock market's just a store day to day where greedy or fearful people make short-term bets about the future. These days, we're betting the world's coming to an end and markets are going down. At least most people are. So what goes on in the stock market is part of that short-term random event game. And we said a bit earlier here that short-term random events, when they start and when they end, are unpredictable. And, and good luck with making that work over the rest of your life. Uh, so anyway, uh, the solution is to invest in a bunch of good companies and businesses that will grow over the long term. You know, how long How long does it take to, to grow a company? A couple weeks, a couple months, no, years. If you're gonna own companies, folks, think about how long you have to need to own them to make that all work out. I think, okay. yeah, so I think, I think the one thing I would say is just as a, like, uh, you know, an explanation. And this is something that, you, you know, I remember you've, you've said many times before and, um, you yeah, know, but the, did you believe me? I did. I did. I did. Okay. <laughs> I did. And I do. Um, and that, you know, the, the reason, you know, so the reason that this, you know, we've talked about this on the show, you know, many, many times, you know, the reason that the stock market, you know, goes up over long periods of time in general, is that the the companies that make up the stock market? You know, they they become more profitable over time, and and therefore more valuable, and that's why you know, and that's why people buy them. And but in the short term, you know, the market can go up or down depending on you know basically the volume of trading, right? If if more people are buying than selling, then the market will go up. So so short term, it's just it's it's essentially sort of a, a supply and demand um, factor. And so if, if more people are selling, which they seems like they're doing now, then the market will come down uh, because, you know, there are less people buying. And so the, so the share prices are going to, you know, come down temporarily. And I think, I think if, you, if you think about that, to, to me, that certainly, um, you know, has a calming effect uh, as far as, you know, why, why, you know, why it's happening the way it's happening. And that, you know, and, you know, if you believe that, you know, this is just a short-term thing and that these companies, you know, the companies that make up, you know, the S&P 500 or, or whatever index you're looking at will find a way, you know, they're, they're still doing business, right? They're still out there, you know, making their, you know, widgets or whatever. And, and they're finding a way to do that and, and finding a way to sell them, uh, hopefully, uh, and or finding a way to trim costs if they have to, to, to be profitable. And they've, you know, they've pretty much always found a way to do that. And if you have faith that they'll continue to do that, um, you know, hopefully you can kind of forget about some of these, you know, extracurricular activities that are going on in the world. There, there you go. Uh, uh, by the way, a good analogy, I think, is just imagine a machine that prints money. Okay. If, if, uh, if you owned a machine that prints money and it printed $100 a year, it's worth something. But if you own that machine, and now it prints $200 a year, it's worth more, okay? And folks, you just kind of have to think of a company, a good company as a machine that prints money over the long run. Uh, and as, as if you could own that one good company, okay, over the long run, you'll make more money. Well, yeah, the risk is it might go out of business. All right, so own 500 or 1,000 companies and cut those odds down and give them a long enough time to make their money. It's as simple as that. So you, you want to buy a money printing machine or a bunch of them and you want to give them time to work. Uh, and that's 
about as simple as I can make it given the circumstances. Okay, uh, thank you, Trevor. Okay, so now see, number mistake. Uh, the, the rest of the mistakes that I'm going to highlight, uh, let's see, mistake, reducing or eliminating your stock percentages and doing bonds or cash. Mistake, you buy more bonds. Mistake, you go to cash. Uh, mistake, you go to the bank because it's guaranteed. Okay, so so I guess I'm going to kind of uh, smush those together here. Uh, folks, uh, if people sell their stocks, they generally do something else with the proceeds, okay? Uh, and, and in bad times, people go flee to safety with their money when, when yeah, by the way, generally they sell things after they went down a bit and maybe they'll get it right partially. But, but the bottom line is selling those scary stocks and buying safe stuff. And, and uh, you know, one example of a safe investment is buying treasury bonds. And for some strange reason, Kurt, treasury bonds are in favor these days and people are buying them whether they pay nothing or not because they feel good about them. Okay. Yeah. So, so to, b- bonds uh, are, are one uh, place where people uh, would put money from sales of stocks. Uh, a second place is cash. Okay, money market, I'm going to sit in the bank and kind of wait. Well, Okay, folks, the, the very short story is that bond prices are all-time highs, and oh, by the way, they don't pay anything. Uh, and if you buy some bonds paying 1% or 2%, and actually interest rates go higher, your bonds are going to be worth less in the future. So, so the bond market is at an all-time high as well, and it ain't a good time to think about loading up in bonds with all your money for long-term, folks. Please, please, please believe that. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a risk there, right? Right. You just, I mean, so there's a, there's a risk around every corner. It's just, it's just a matter of which one you're more comfortable with. Um, Yeah. And I haven't seen the latest money market or cash or savings rate, but okay. I think savings rates are somewhere between a 10th of a percent and three tenths of a percent across the, across the country in terms of banks or CDs or short term or treasuries or whatever. Well, folks, if you, if you earn less than a percent, while you're waiting for the world to get better. Inflation is killing you. Uh, And by the way, right after the world gets better and you wade back in, all that means is that you bought stocks at a higher place than when you left them. I mean, think about this, folks. Uh, If you you sold the market at 100 uh, uh, after it was 150, well, that's not a good thing. Um, And then you're gonna, you'll say to yourself, well, I'll wait till things get better and I'll get back in. Well, so if the market goes back up to 170, you feel better, you buy it, and you just shot yourself in the foot because you paid 20 more dollars for it than before you left, sort of a thing. So, so I, bonds and cash, bad news as an alternative to stocks. Should you have all your money in stocks? No. Okay, should you have a percentage of your money in bonds and cash? Yes. But, but the most important thing is to get the percentage of stocks that's appropriate for you correct and don't mess with it over the long run. That's about seven shows, Kurt, but that's yeah. just going to have to. Okay, and I think the last thing, yeah, uh, we're getting closer to a break. So, yeah, so the, the, the last thing I wanted to, to spend some time on uh, is uh, the, the, the folks who are fleeing to safety Okay, the, the, the G word, uh, oh, it's guaranteed. I feel so much better than the volatility uh, that comes with the stocks. Uh, that, that's a very, very comforting thing 
uh, in highly emotionally charged bad times. Uh, uh, but but th- there's a problem with guaranteed investments, and there has always been a problem with guaranteed investments. Uh, and and I will I will take. Uh, Today's today's rates uh, right now. Okay, uh, the 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 ten year Treasury is about close, Kirk, to two percent. I think it's one point eight or one point nine or something like that. So, so for purposes of the radio, I'm just going to round it off, folks. Don't quote me exactly, but I'm I'm trying to make a point here. So you can buy an absolutely positively guaranteed no risk I'm kidding about that investment called a 10-year United States Treasury bond like this afternoon uh, well on Monday afternoon I guess uh, and get paid 2% a year okay uh, f- for that adventure well okay so here's the deal if you spend uh, $10,000 on that bond 2% of $10,000 last time I checked is about 200 bucks Okay. So, so you're guaranteed to collect $200 a year for the next 10 years. First question is, can you live on that? Or however much money you need to live on if you put them in treasuries? Probably not. Okay. So second comment is uh, at 2% a year in a world where we're having 7% inflation right now, how you doing? Okay. Uh, you know, that, that, that money doesn't buy you as much as it did last year. Okay, uh, and and then oh by the way, if you if you put ten thousand dollars into a treasury last year, and we had seven percent inflation, it looks like a ten thousand dollar treasury, but it's worth ninety three hundred bucks in terms of what it can buy. So, so guaranteed investments uh, do not keep up with inflation. I will guarantee that. Okay, pretty much. Most of them, most of the time, not all the time, folks, but most of them, most of the time, when you hear the word guarantee, it doesn't keep up with inflation, okay? And if your money doesn't keep up with inflation, you're going backwards in the wealth accumulation or wealth preservation game, okay? If you already have all the money that you need to live, okay, inflation will shrink it every year. If you don't already have all the money that you need to live, you need to have your investments make more than inflation so that you can be okay. So, so I'll leave this. This is almost pretty good timing here, Kirk. I got, yeah, I, we, I got think, a, we got three or four yeah. minutes. Um, yeah, we do. I do. Okay. So, yeah, I just I I tried to quickly look up the that that the number, um, yeah. and I don't and I don't have a, a, a you know a citation or anything here, but it, I saw something that said like one point seven uh, was like the the current yield uh, on a ten year uh, treasury. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm looking at uh, Yahoo News, right? Yahoo, and it's one point seven two on the money. All right, yes. so. You know, I guess I think what's, you know, what I always think is an interesting, you know, perspective is that, well, okay, so rates are low for, as far as, you know, guaranteed investments like like treasuries and, and you know, CDs and money markets and things like that. Um, other, you know, some things in the world are also low, like, you know, like interest rates uh, currently, right? You know, so they're, they're usually, there's usually there a, a correlation there. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, you know... You know, you're not going to get much on your on your guaranteed investments, but you can also borrow money, you know, fairly cheaply uh, today. Um, but inflation, that's kind of the, you know, that's the tricky one. Uh, you know, and I don't know if there's a correlation, Mike, between, you know, inflation and, um, 
you know, interest rates, you know, uh, exactly. I mean, because, you know, interest rates were so low last year, but it, but inflation was high. I mean, to me, I would think inflation would, would tend to be lower, uh, you know, when, when rates are lower. Uh, but I don't think, I don't think there's, there's no exact control on that. Um, you know, it, it can do anything as, as just like we saw last year. I think, you know, inflation was like 7% last year. Um, right. And, but the, you know, on the other side, if, you know, if rates are high, uh, and you can get more on your, you know, more on your money in the bank. Well, then, you know, interest rates are higher and everything costs more. So it's, you know, there's no, there's no way to beat that, uh, beat that situation. Yeah, there is a, that relationship between interest rates and inflation. It's kind of fuzzy at times. Yeah. But there is a definite relationship between inflation and you becoming poorer unless your money beats it every year. That, that's maybe the best way to say that. So the, so the short story, folks, is if you wish, if you if you are already already wealthy enough to be okay in your life, you need to have your money preserve your wealth. And the only way that you can do that is to have your money outpoint inflation. And oh, by the way, taxes. Your money has to make more than taxes and inflation take away from you for you to get wealthier or preserve your wealth. Okay, bond investments and cash they have historically not been able to do that. By the way, Kirk, when I broke into this business, money market funds were paying 14 or 15 percent. Inflation was 12 or 13, and taxes were 30 or 40. You know, do the math on how that works. So. It's all it's all relative. Yeah, it's all relative. So, okay, so that's all right. Really we, all right, we're, yeah, we need to take we need to take a break right now. All right, so we're going to take a break and uh, we'll be right back. Okay. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. So we're tackling bear market survival tips. Uh, and uh, so I don't, okay. So, all right. So we did one little segment there. All right. So segment two, where are we going? All right. Well, we're going to one of my favorite people in the world, Mr. Warren Buffett. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he's one of my heroes, okay? Uh, he's an old, smart, rich guy is how I like to say <laughs> that, okay? <laughs> well, he's been around. You know, you know, I had a thought about, you know, actually that came up recently. Somebody, I forget, I forget the exact context, but it was something to the effect of, well, Warren Buffett did something, so maybe I should be doing that. And I, and that, and I was, goes back to what we were talking about earlier about Rich Uncle Harry. And I was like, well, yeah, yeah. Uncle Buffett can, he can afford to miss uh, every once in a while. Um, he certainly can, but boy, how he thinks yep, and, and yep. what he recommends for individual investors are perfectly good common sense kind of things. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So don't get nervous. I won't don't get nervous. Okay. Uh, and anyway, so, so here's, here's the mistake. You feel like you should do something with your investments when the world is crumbling around you and you see your investments going down, down, down. How's that for like a, an exciting description? Yeah, the repetition huh? really makes it, uh, yeah, makes yeah, me scared. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, I, I don't often do that. But anyway, so first of all, if you do something, here's the problem. It's too late. It already went down. Oh, but it's going to go down as more. Yeah, well, maybe. But I, and if you do something, okay, let's see. Not you know, you you got out. Well, then you have to get back in at the right time to make up for it. And uh, you know, 
in the short-term gambling investment world, you got to have to make two correct decisions, when to get out and when to get in. And by the way, you missed on the when to get out if you sold after it went down, folks, just, just to point that out for you. But anyway, so it's probably too late to do anything. It's a short story. Okay, so the solution is either do nothing and do a lot of thinking before you do anything, okay, or take comfort that you already did what you needed to do to be prepared for what's happening. And that's a moral to the story we'll get here later on. Folks, you can't know the future with your investments, but you can certainly be prepared for a variety of investment scenarios and have the ability to wait them out and get better. That's, the, that's like the grand summary here. It's about an hour and a half away, but that's the deal, folks, from our point of view. So, so the solution is either do nothing and a lot of thinking before you do anything, or take comfort in the fact that you already did what you needed to do and you're prepared uh, to deal with this and you got enough liquidity to wait this out until the world gets better sort of a thing, okay? So so here's here's the nugget. This is, I, I think I'm gonna put this on my wall in my office, Kirk, here, okay? So every year, by the way, Warren Buffett is the chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, which is a very large US company that owns other companies. That's basically what they do, okay? And every year, he writes an investment letter to all the shareholders of Berkshire Hathaway, okay? And it's like one of the things everybody in the investment world waits for every year because he's got a way of saying things. So anyway, this, this is a, a quote from his 2005 investment letter to the shareholders of Berkshire Hathaway. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. I, I love this. Okay, long ago, Sir Isaac Newton gave us three laws of motion, which were the work of genius. But Sir Isaac's talents didn't extend to investing. He lost a bundle in the South Seas bubble, explaining later, I can calculate the movement of the stars, but not the madness of men. Mm. Okay, and then here's Warren. If he had not been traumatized by this loss, Sir Isaac might well have gone on to discover the fourth law of motion. For investors as a whole, returns decrease as motion increases. Uh -huh. Uh-huh. You want to think about that for a minute? By the way, I did, obviously I didn't know this, but there's a, one of the classic stock bubbles in the world is the, is the South Sea uh, Company, South Sea Islands bubble. By the way, they, they made a bunch of money after they got through the bubble. But anyway, Sir Isaac Newton traded in and out of the South Sea Islands bubbles. He thought he was new what he was doing. He got his clock cleaned. Mm. Okay, sort of a thing. Okay, but, but folks, let me... Let, let me just quote this one more time. Uh, if he had not been traumatized by this loss, Sir Isaac might well have gone on to discover the fourth law of motion. For investors as a whole, returns decrease as motion increases. Okay, I love it. Any thoughts on that, Kirk, <laughs> before we move on? <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I think that the, it's just sort of the natural... Um, you know, psychology of it, that when you see, when you see lots of movements and, and obviously in this case, we're talking about downward movements. Yep. Um, we always talk about downward well, movements, true. never the upward ones, That's right? That's right. <laughs> and 
I think, yeah, you just feel like there's just that natural feeling that you need to do something, right? Um, yep. and, and it's yep. hard, and it's hard to stop yourself sometimes. Yeah. How um, come my investment advisor didn't get me out of this or get me out of this right now, right. please? Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, and it's, you know, the whole, the whole thing about, you know, knowing the future and seeing the future. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll be the first to tell you that we don't know the future either. Um, and, and so that's impossible to do. And if, you know, if that's why you come to somebody like us to, you know, to, to know the future, sorry, you know, we can't help you there. Um, and 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 doing anything after the fact, it doesn't it just it just doesn't make sense. Um, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the the natural thing. This happens all the time, even to people who did it once or twice. Things go down, their investments go down in value. They bear it to a certain point, and then they say, "I can't bear it anymore," and they get out. Okay, and two things happen: either they get out and never get back in, and they just guaranteed themselves whatever loss. They had, or if they get back in, it'll. Do you think if it goes down another ten percent, and you knew exactly when the bottom was, do you think those people are going to crawl back in and say, "Oh, it's time to buy now. The world is absolutely really coming to an end. I got to pile my money in here." No, no. The only time people are going to get back in is when there's good news and the markets are high. So let me see. You sold after it went down, and you bought higher after it went up. That is a way to destroy your investment returns, folks. Okay, absolutely. It, and and it, that's, yeah. it's scary. I, you know, we have precious few people who didn't, don't listen to our advice about that. And I'm still looking at miserable numbers for the last 10 or 15 years because of what those folks did. And you can't do it, folks. You just can't do it. Okay. Uh, you know, I was just going to say, if, if, you know, if you, if you don't know when the top is, uh, you sure as heck don't know when the bottom is either. And it's just, yep. it's just impossible. Yeah, and and so another nugget is, please, we're going to drive this home, folks, because it's true. Short-term investment returns, okay, uh, are absolutely random and absolutely unpredictable because all the events that happen around the world and within the markets and within the financial world, they're, they're forever up, down, doing this, that, okay. So, so you, you need to absolutely understand that short term is like a really, really fuzzy bet. Okay. Any, and any financial advisor, okay. That tells you that, you know, he knows the future and do, you know, this is what's going to, you know, no, no, nobody does. Okay. Okay. The, the only thing we know is that if you look at long term stock market performance in any, in most countries in the world, long-term markets have gone up. We'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on about the, the why. Okay, but if, if over the long run, markets have gone higher, and in the short run, you don't have a clue, how do you want to look at this, folks? Do you want to jump into the short-term game, or, or do you want to uh, ride the long-term sort of a thing? And, and that's where we're coming from. We're, we're pretty comfortable that looking backwards, markets have grown over the long run, and that's our bet going forward. I like the odds a lot more of a long-term bet on the future of markets and, oh, by the way, capitalism, okay, uh, than I do trying to guess what's going to happen about this war and how much more stuff is going to go down, if at all, given the circumstances. Um, short-term, short-term speculator, long-term investor, folks. Simple as that. Sorry, Kirk. No, no, no. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. Um, I think you know one of the one of the best you know values that we can add is is. 
perspective uh, to people um, when when they're thinking about things like this. You know, we talked earlier about you know the S and P five hundred is down about what nine percent r- roughly uh, year. Nine point seven as of okay. this morning. Kurt. All right, so year, yeah, year to date, right? So yep. that's a uh, what you know a little over a two month period of time that we're talking about, which yep. is, which is insignificant in the grand scheme of things, correct? Yep. Okay, so if we go back a year, so let's let's look back 12 months, you know, including these past two months, which are negative, and the S&P 500 has, you know, is positive about 12%. Oh, whoa. Uh, okay, so yep. including being down, you know, what we're down today. Yeah, so and, how far back did you want to go, folks, to decide your returns are good or bad, right? Right, and yeah, and... <laughs> um, oh, what was the... Uh, Who's uh, who's your other guy that the other guy that writes the books and uh, Nick Murray? Nick Murray. Murray. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, one of one of there's a quote from one of his books that I love, and of course I'm not going to remember the quote exactly, but (laughs) I I think I can get the essence of it. Um, It was something you know something to the effect of you know if you if you torture the data enough, it will confess to anything. (laughs) I have to remember that. I can't remember seeing that. That's it. That's it. So you know you you can you can make it. Say, you know, do anything you want if you look at any time frame or different criteria, yep. parameters, yep. but it's, yep. you know, it's all about perspective. Um, and you gotta, you just, yeah, you have to have a long-term approach and, and everybody knows that, I think. Uh, but sometimes they just need to be reminded of it. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I think, the, you know what it is, is the definition of long-term is kind of fuzzy. How long is it? And right. the answer is it's as long as you need. It's your lifetime. Uh, it's your lifetime yeah, it, or it, 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 in, exactly. in, a, in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if it's, you know, uh, uh, another example might be, well, you want to buy a house and you need a down payment. Okay, well, that might be a shorter time frame. But, you know, for most, if, if we're talking about retirement, that's that's basically your lifetime. And, yeah. and it's not just, you know, it's not just, you know, what do you have when you retire? It's, you know, it's how do you keep that going, you know, through retirement. And so it's, something you're going to have to think about and, and, and hopefully not worry about for, for, for the most of your life. Yeah, and folks, by the way, the other thing you need to think about is that when you're reading about the market, you kind of have to ask yourself, well, how, what percentage of my money <laughs> is in the market? How nervous should I be mm. about this? Uh, let's see, if you had a 50-50 United States stock market and treasury bond portfolio, okay, by the way, Let's see, if the market goes down 10 and the treasuries did nothing, your account's down five unless I miss something, okay, for the year. Right. Okay, and by the way, I got a newsflash for you. If that was the case, the treasuries would be up a little bit and you might be down four or whatever the number is sort of a thing. But, you know, when you hear about the market, folks, you might also want to consider exactly how much of your money as a percentage is in there before you get nervous, given the circumstances. <laughs> that'd be, but, yeah, that'd be a good thing to check out, yeah. Yeah, yeah you think? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, moving along. Okay, next mistake. I think I forget what number this is, Kirk, but that's okay. You stop adding to your retirement plan until things get better. Either you stop adding money and cancel the contributions or you put it in the nice safe bonds, either one of the two. Okay, Uh, folks will do that. They'll look around and say the world's coming to an end. 
I'm, same as before, folks. Okay, if you stop contributing to your retirement plan, a pox on you. Okay, if you just decide to put it in government bonds, that's just unwise sort of a thing given the circumstances. Okay, uh, and again, it goes back to you don't know when. You know, there's a phrase in our business called dollar cost averaging. When if you buy all the time, sooner or later it might work out. It's like the short story. I can't guarantee that, of course, but uh, you know that that the nice part about systematically adding money to your investments is sometimes you buy things high, sometimes you buy things low, but over the long run, as long as markets go up, it'll come out in the wash. So, you know, you know, an example of that, and I, I love this discussion, Kirk. We have, during times like this, I had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, I think with you and one of our mutual clients. So let's see, this, this, uh, this client of ours had $30,000 uh, and she wanted to invest it. And uh, basically we said, well, here are your choices. And, and in down markets, uh, you know, we, we would give these people choices anytime, but but especially in down markets. So we can either lump sum this 30,000 into your portfolio, which by the way is only 60% stocks, or we can divide it up into maybe five pieces or four pieces and invest it every quarter for the next year or a year and a half or whatever. So you can lump it in or scale it in. And the scaling in, think about it. If you scale it in and markets go up, well, you can kick yourself a little for missing it. If you scale it in and markets go down, you're going to get a little excited about buying some stuff cheaper over the long run as, as it goes back. Okay. Uh, by the way, the, the odds are about two-thirds in favor of lumping it in and closing your eyes. But we don't care how people get into their percentage of stocks. We just care that they do over a certain period of time sort of a thing. But if you can do it systematically like your 401k plan, look back, folks. You made a bunch of money by just contributing into it and probably not doing too much over the time. So so the answer is don't. I think, uh, and I, I have another another Nick Murray for you on that one. All right, all right. I remember, you know, his, at least part of his description of, you know, that, you know, dollar cost averaging, right? Just, by, yep. you know, uh, doing systematic contributions, you know, monthly or whatever. And, you know, when the market's high, you know, share prices are, are, are more expensive. And he's like, well, you know, then you're buying, you know, you're buying thimblefuls of these, of these, uh, of these, you know, expensive stocks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I love it. And, yeah. And, but then when the market's down, you're buying barrels full <laughs> of, of these cheap stocks. And I love it. It's just, I love you know, it. just a way to think about it. And, yeah. and it's yeah. absolutely true. Um, and yeah, so the whole, yeah, the whole stopping your, yeah. So I think the 401k thing, I think, I think the psychology is, you know, people look at, you know, they look at last month's statement and say, okay, well, I started February, I had 10,000, I put in $300 and I've got $9,000 in my account. And, and that, and that feels bad, right? It's like, well, it feels like you're throwing money away. And, and that's just one of those things where you got to step back and, and, and take a bigger, you know, have some more perspective on that. Yeah. The, the big deal is you have to believe it's going back up again and higher than the last time. You know, so there's a, a fair chunk of faith involved. I didn't say hope. I said faith involved that markets do recover and go higher. And by the way, there's not one symbol full of history that says to the contrary. Markets have always gone higher after tough times and higher and higher and higher. And we're just hoping that continues to happen sort of a thing. Okay, so if you're funding your 401k, keep going and don't buy the bonds. 
and or double down. If you're putting $500 a month in your 401k and you can add another two or 350 to it, you'll get paid for that sooner or later as long as markets go higher. And there's nothing in history that suggests that markets don't go higher over the long run. Okay. All right. Uh, oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Okay. Uh, mistake. And what number? I'm going to make this mistake number 12, Kirk. I don't even know if that's the right number, but I want to kind of go on systematically here and come from there. Anyway, uh, you do not have an investment philosophy and belief system. Okay. Th think about it. If you're going to invest your money, well, what do you have an investment philosophy? What is it? Okay, and, and a lot of people listening to us prob probably can't answer that. Okay, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think our investment philosophy at McNamara Financial is you want to own as a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds, but the proportion of stocks needs to be as high as you can tolerate and your circumstances tolerate because that's where you make your money over time. We, we believe that stocks and equities will go higher over the time and, and that bonds and cash, you have to have them in your portfolio to protect you against uh, big market swings and you have to put money that you need in a year or two or three in bonds and cash. Those are absolutely perfect places to put money. But if you're a long-term investor, you got to own a bunch of stocks and go for the ride over the long run. That That's how it works, okay? But everybody needs to, and then so after that's your philosophy, then you kind of have to believe that it's it's going to work. Okay. If, if you don't have that belief system, when it hits the fan, you start wondering, basically. So I, I don't want to use the word religion, but it's pretty close. How, how would you, what's your take on that? I'm using the wrong words here, but you have to have a belief system in this, well, right? So, and I think, you know, what I would add to that is, um, you know, the, whatever, the, whatever that strategy is or, the, you know, that investment strategy that you agree on, you you have to you have to buy in to it that that you're going to stick with it in good and bad um, because you know you, you have to you have to pick something that you're comfortable with you know throughout any time because if you start changing that strategy based on what the markets are doing that that doesn't that tends not to work out and you know so you got to have you know pick something that you're good with long term and you know buy that you know, again, that's a fuzzy definition, but, you know, 10 years or more, probably. Uh, and, and you got to stick with it. And it's okay to make little tweaks here and there. And, and we do that. Uh, but, but we don't make, we don't make wholesale changes based on what the markets are doing or based on who's in, you know, the Oval Office or anything like that, because you're just, you're making guesses based on things that you, you don't know, you know, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, so, you know, that's, you know, that's, to me, that's that's just as important as you know the whatever many stocks you got in there. Yeah, I I, I don't want to get too far afield here and make any inappropriate comparisons, but f folks out there listening to us who, who are, are are of a faith or religion in your personal life, when you go through tough times, what do you do? You you rely on your faith and your religion to kind of get through them. And I, I'm not comparing the stock market to to religion, but you have to have a philosophy and a belief, and it just it's just the same thing. It just it happens to do with investments versus your personal life and how you feel. Did I do that tactfully enough, Kirk? I, I think make so. Sure about that. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. It, it's very similar in terms of how you approach it, folks. Okay. Anyway, so but but in order to do that, you have to have enough education and knowledge and experience to say, oh, 
in the beginning, if you're just getting started in the investment world, it's, well, you're drinking the Kool-Aid and hoping this is going to work. Okay, so you have faith. But if you've done it for a while and have experience going through those up and downs, then it gets a lot more comfortable, okay, you know, going forward sort of a thing. And it's easier to believe in and it's easier to kind of not get so nervous and uptight. So in order to be good investors, at the beginning, you have to have a lot of faith and hope it works. And then as you go further down that line, if you're doing the right stuff, it gets easier and more comfortable. And that's that's just how it is, folks. Uh, I hope everybody listening to us is at that point, but they're probably not. There's probably a bunch that aren't. Okay. Uh, anyway, all right. So, by the way, that was mistake number eleven. I, I did an official count here, Kirk. Okay, okay, eleven. So, so you do not have an investment philosophy and a belief system. Problem: you are lost at sea. Solution: get get educated or work with an advisor who will educate you, and give it a long enough time so that you can experience what happens. You know, if if as advisors, Kirk, we meet folks at the top of a market, which we didn't know was the top of the market, and it hits the fan for a year or two, we have our work cut out for us, okay, to get those people to hang on until it gets better again, okay? Uh, if, if we happen to meet folks at the bottom of a market, which we never know when that is, we look pretty smart in a year or two given the circumstances. So, so th- th- that, that's folks, that's where you need the time to level out the ups and downs over a period of time. So, you know, anyway, okay, this is a biggie as folks, uh, as well, folks. This is number 12. All right, so you can, just just so you know, so you can can set the stage here, but we only have two or three minutes, all right? Okay, all right, we might have to continue this then. Okay, so here's the mistake. Not having enough liquidity to survive a market downturn Mm. okay problem you will be crashing your investments at the wrong term Um, I need more income I just lost my job yada 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 I've got to sell some of my investments to make my life work okay it's you know what you want to do okay so so that's the problem Mm -hmm. okay not having enough income or emergency cash to last you through the downturn, okay? Because you don't know, and, and so that that's that's the problem, okay? And crashing your investments, Murphy's Law almost always applies. You know, if it hits the fan and we have a recession and markets are down, what happens to unemployment? It increases. Yeah. People get laid off, okay? Yeah, they, yeah. So, 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 God forbid, what are you going to do if you get laid off? Okay, uh, and you don't have enough emergency reserves between you and your next job. Okay, you're going to have to go liquidate investments. Well, guess what? That's about the worst time that you have to do that. Okay, so so the solution is to have adequate emergency reserves. If you're retired and taking income, I'd say you need two or three years worth of income in a safe place. So you can just kind of, ooh, 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 we, we, we taking off here, Kurt? Yeah. All right. That's in that okay. case, let's we do can, it. Yeah, we can, definitely, we can yeah. definitely come back yeah. to that when we come back. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we're going to take a break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed. I'm joined uh, this morning by Mike McNamara. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. 